So, what's new? We just switched to Geico and got more. More? They've been saving folks money for over 75 years. A company you can trust. Geico even helped us with homeowner's insurance. More sounds great. Gotta love more! Right, honey? Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Well, good morning. If you haven't uh, realized it by now, this sermon series was sponsored by Geico. <laughs> We're going to get this building paid off somehow. <laughs> well, as the gentleman in the bushes said, more sounds great. Uh, that's especially true if we're talking about the Christian life. We've been asking the question during this series, is there more that God has for us is there more that God has for his church than we're currently experiencing? Uh, when we began this series, I asked you to read uh, the New Testament, particularly to read the book of Acts. And uh, as you read the book of Acts, which is a history of the church, to compare the experience of the Christians and the church back then with your own experience. And, and if you did that, you undoubtedly saw that there is a big difference. There's a big difference between then and now, especially in how God's Spirit so powerfully moved in and through His people and through His church. Now, if there is a difference, the next question we have, have to ask ourselves is why? Why is there a big difference? Uh, many say that the reason for the difference is the things that God did back then, well, He doesn't do that anymore. You know, we don't need the same kind of displays of God's power, the spiritual gifts, the answers to prayer. We don't need to hear the voice and promptings of the Holy Spirit like they did back then. Now, the problem with that theory is it doesn't say anywhere in here that God doesn't do that anymore. We looked at the one passage, I think it was in week two, that people used for that to talk about the cessationist viewpoint, and it just doesn't hold water at all. Now, the problem is there's nowhere in here that we have kind of a warning label that says, don't try this at home. Uh, the stories, examples, and promises in this book are meant for entertainment and inspirational purposes only. They are not meant to be attempted by the reader. Doing so may result in failure, disappointment, discouragement, disillusionment, and doubt. Call your pastor if you have doubt that lasts over four days. Seriously, while it may be inspiring to read about what God used to do for his people, if God doesn't do that anymore, then much of this book is not really relevant for us today. I mean, what real benefit is there in reading about what God used to do, but he won't do for us? Now, I don't read that God doesn't do that anymore. What I do read is Romans 8, 11 which says, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living where? And in me. I read Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine. Get that. He can do immeasurably more and incomprehensibly more so much greater than we could ask or imagine. Now, I can ask, I can imagine some pretty incredible things. And this is saying that God can do an unbelievable amount more 
incomprehensible amount more. And how does he accomplish that? How does he do that? Let's read the last part out loud together. According to his power that is at work within us. Raise your hand if you're included in us. Absolutely. Wow. Just that right there convinces me that there's more than what I'm experiencing. So maybe the answer to the question, why is there such a difference between what God did in and through his people then and what God is doing in and through his people now, is that we've, we've limited God. We've limited God with little faith, low expectations, and small prayers. Maybe the problem is that we have bought into, we've become comfortable with, and satisfied with a faith in which God doesn't do that anymore. You know, the church in the U.S. is dwindling, as it has been for decades in Europe. And at the same time, the church is exploding, largely in third world countries, where we're seeing the kinds of things in, in those areas that go along with the preaching of the gospel that were true of the New Testament. And I tell you, that's one of my short-term, my short-term bucket list items, is to go into one of those places and to see God at work, to see New Testament power at work with the preaching of the gospel. I think it would be absolutely life-changing for me and for any of us that would do that. During this series, we've talked about, first of all, receiving the Spirit, that is being indwelt by the Spirit, which happens when we trust Jesus to come into our hearts and lives to forgive our sins. Uh, then we talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit, which occurs when we give the Holy Spirit control of our lives and we ask Him to fill and empower us. Now, once we have received God's Spirit, once we've been filled with God's Spirit, then we continue to experience the, the presence, the guidance, the victory, the power of the Spirit as we learn to, as Scripture says, walk in the Spirit. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Letter A, walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 through 25, listen to what Paul writes. This is out of the Amplified Version. But I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek Him. Be responsive to His guidance. If we live by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If by the Holy Spirit we have our life in God, let us go forward walking in line with our lives controlled by the Holy Spirit. And underline the, the words walk habitually. Now that word in the Greek and, and the, the verb form uh, means that you just keep on walking. You don't stop. Step after step after step after step. You just continue to walk. In other words, live your life in the presence of, under the influence of, and the power and the control of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know how many of you are uh, kind of health conscious. I hope most of you, or I hope all of you. But any of you keep track of your steps? Do any of you have a pedometer that you, that you keep with you? Wow, not many. We're not a healthy church. <laughs> Next sermon series is on taking care of the temple. So I do, I, I keep track of my steps. I have a pedometer, I have a watch that keeps track of my steps. And uh, so I do pretty well. I was doing pretty well at doing my 10,000 steps a day, which, by the way, that's, that's what you're supposed to get, 10,000 steps a day. And so I was doing real well, 10,000 steps. But then my kids challenged me to a contest. You see, they invited me to put an app on my phone, which would uh, measure my app, my, my, my steps, and they would put that same app on their phone, and it keeps track of everybody's steps. And so at the end of the month, whoever had the most steps would get this jackpot. We'd all contribute $10. 
and we'd get this jackpot at the end of the month. Well, I don't know if you know this, but my middle initial is V for victory. <laughs> Actually, it's not. It's J. But I'm sure victory begins with J in some language out there. It's got to. So the first month, I won. Averaged like 14,000 steps. Second month, I won. Averaged about 16,000 steps. Third month, I was averaging 22,000 steps, and everybody just decided to quit and take the app off their phone. <laughs> so my prediction came true. I warned them at the very beginning. I made a prediction. In the words of the great prophet Ivan Drago from the movie Rocky, I will break you. I did it. Now my secret, besides greed, of course, was I made sure I began every day with walking. I made sure I ended every day with walking. I set reminders so that all during the day I would walk. When I would park my car, I would park as far away from the church as possible, as far away from the store as possible, just so I'd get more steps, and I'd just be stepping all day long. Why? Why was I so intentional about continuing in my steps to win 40 bucks? <laughs> You know, I wish I was that passionate. I wish I was that motivated and intentional to walk in the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. And actually, thankfully, with the help of God's Spirit, I, I'm starting to be more intentional. You know, walking in the Spirit, get this, I think it's in your outline. Walking in the Spirit involves habitual, continual, active interaction with the Holy Spirit who is in you. It involves continual engagement, discovering how to yield to the Holy Spirit day by day and moment by moment. How do you do that? Well, I think a great place to start is practicing 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through, through 19. Let's go ahead and read this out loud together. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. So number one, walking in the Spirit involves continual thanks and praise. Continual thanks and praise. Again, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. Paul writes, rejoice always, give thanks, only in good circumstances. Right? Now, what does he say? Give thanks in all circumstances. In other words, give thanks all the time. No, no, matter, no matter what your life condition, no matter where you are, what's going on around you in your life, you, you give thanks. You know, whether we live with joy, thanksgiving, and praise actually has little to do with our circumstances. While he was imprisoned in Rome, he's waiting word on his possible execution. Paul writes this in Philippians 4.4. Read it out loud with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now circle the words rejoice. For a Christian to rejoice means to joyfully praise and thank God for the blessings he has given us. Now to paraphrase Robert Rainey's words in his commentary on the book of Philippians, he says joy and thanksgiving are the banners that fly over the heart of a person where the Spirit of God is on the throne, where the Spirit is ruler 
of a person's heart. That's where joy comes from. That's where thanksgiving comes from. Not the evidence that the Holy Spirit is on his throne, is in his rightful place in our lives. So the heart of a person who is under the control of the Holy Spirit will be filled with joy and gratitude to God and praise. That's one of the ways that you know whether you're filled and whether you're walking in the Holy Spirit, whether you're letting him have control, whether you're listening to him, whether you're yielding to him. Are you being filled with joy and thanksgiving? Back to Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice in your circumstances. What's it say? Rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord, not in your circumstances. Rejoice in, in, in the Lord. Which means rejoice, very much means rejoice in what the Lord has done for you. Uh, in the blessings that God has given you, many of which have nothing to do with your circumstances. They are permanent possession of yours, always. Uh, things like forgiveness. Can anything ever take that away? No. Being adopted as God's son or daughter, can anything ever take that away? That belongs to you in every circumstance that you're in. Uh, how about uh, grace, God's grace, God's guidance, God's faithfulness, eternal life, his love, his mercy, all those things. Can any of those things be taken from you through circumstances? No, never. And so those are blessings that we can focus upon in every circumstance so that our hearts can be filled with joy and thanksgiving. So ask and trust the Holy Spirit to keep God's goodness and the blessings that God has given you the things that you have that you can rejoice over and be thankful for. Ask the Holy Spirit to keep those always in the front of your mind. But then I'll tell you, he'll do that. But what he won't do is he will not express those things on your behalf. You have to choose to do that. You have to out loud give God thanks and praise. And I think it's very important to do it out loud when you can. I know there's certain situations in which you can't. If you're sitting there at work and you start singing and praising, it'll be awesome, but... You, there may be consequences. I, I can tell you from experience, this is just from personal experience, that there is, there is a power and there is a peace and there is a joy that comes over me when I praise God and I thank Him out loud, when I sing out loud, that does not often come to me when I just do it in my thoughts. I do believe there is a power in speaking out praise and thanksgiving to God. Look, look, look at this... Uh, story again. We looked at this a few weeks ago, the story of Paul and Silas in the book of Acts. So, you know, they were out preaching Christ. They were out doing exactly what they should be doing, preaching Christ. And all of a sudden, they're attacked by an angry mob, and they're beaten. And then they're arrested. They're stripped, and they're beaten again with rods. And then they're put into this dark, dingy, stinky, rat-infested prison dungeon their feet are fastened in stocks. Now, I want you to imagine, if that had been you, how would you have reacted in circumstances like those? You know, I, I, I don't think I would have reacted very well. You know, the most natural response would be cry, complain, be angry, feel sorry for ourselves, question God's goodness. You know, I'm doing this for you, and this is what you allow to happen to me. Are you kidding me? But instead of that, this is how they responded in Acts 16. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and what? Singing hymns to God. Now, was that quietly or was that out loud? It was out loud, which, of course, is revealed in the fact that the other prisoners were listening to them. 
Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now, how is it possible to react the way they did in those kind of circumstances? I don't think they felt joyful, not at first. I believe that by faith, they trusted and submitted to the Holy Spirit and they chose to begin singing praises to God and to remember all the ways that he had blessed them. They chose to remember in those circumstances that God is good all the time. And so as they chose to, out loud, they chose to begin to rejoice and thank and praise God. I believe their vision for God's goodness grew and grew until it finally overshadowed their circumstances and overshadowed their pain. And soon their hearts just began to overflow with joy and thanksgiving. So I heard one preacher say, explain this, this passage. He said that uh, hearing them sing filled God with such delight that he began tapping his foot along with them, which caused an earthquake. <laughs> Made that jailhouse rock, baby, and all those chains and all those doors were opened. As we trust him and we yield to him, the Holy Spirit promises to fill us with unconquerable joy in every circumstance. Number two, walking in the Spirit results in continual communication with God. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. So walking in the Spirit means that we choose to be in continual communication with God. And the Spirit will help us do that. Uh, we keep the, the lines open. We have this ongoing conversation with God in all of our waking hours and, and sometimes even in our dreams. Now, some of you are thinking, I know uh, some of you are thinking, I can't do that. I can't keep the lines of communication. I can't, I can't be in contact with somebody all day long. Oh, yes, you can. People do it all the time. And it looks like this. You ever heard of texting? and Facebook, and Instagram, and Snapchat, and now Marco Polo. You ever heard of something called tweeting? I'm going to tell you, I have never tweeted in my life, and I, I'm proud of that. You know, to me, it just does not sound manly to say, I tweeted today. Not me, man, not me. And my favorite thing to do with people that I love is anything everything. Just hang out. Talk to each other. Be in communication. It doesn't have to be constant talking, but just knowing that they're near. Anytime you want, you can listen and talk. You know, I like the feeling of having someone I love near. And you know God feels the same about you? He likes having you near. Now listen, God's always near you, but what God delights in is when you choose to be near to him by focusing upon his, his nearness and, and being aware of his presence. And again, communicating to him all through the day. He wants this ongoing, continual conversation with you to hear from you and to speak to you. Now, 1 Corinthians 10.31 used to be kind of an intimidating verse for me. It's become one of my favorite verses on God's love for me. Uh, this is how I used to read 1 Corinthians 
So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you'd better do it for the glory of God, buckaroo. I mean, that, that's how I used to hear it. You know, God's always watching me. He's watching even how I eat and drink so he can catch me doing something wrong. You know, <laughs> by the way, watching how I eat and drink is not a pretty sight. I am Italian, okay? And if you're Italian, you are not eating spaghetti properly if your entire face is not marinated with marinara sauce by the end of the meal. And of course, you have not honored the cook until you have let out a burp that would shake baby birds out of their nests. But seriously, you know, I thought, how can I possibly measure up? How can I please God? How can I earn his approval if he's watching every little thing I do? Because if he's watching every little thing I do, he is seeing a lot that I know doesn't please him. He's hearing things that don't please him. How could I ever measure up? And the switch in how I saw that verse came when I began to understand grace and I began to understand God's incredible love for me. And the fact that God is always watching, God is watching everything that I do, has nothing to do with needing to measure it up. It has nothing to do with earning his approval. It has nothing to do with keeping score on everything that I do that he doesn't like. It has everything to do with God's love for me. And the fact that he's interested in and he desires to be a part of every single area of my life, he even wants to share meals with me. Basically, everything that I do has the potential of honoring God and giving him pleasure. Walking in the Spirit is consciously living 24-7 in the presence of your God and Father who is crazy in love with you. And then number three, walking in the Spirit results in continual obedience to God. Now, the Spirit gives us the desire and the power to obey God, to do the things from Scripture that we know please God and to avoid the things that don't. Philippians 2.13, read it out loud with me. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Circle those words, desire and power to do what pleases him. Now, when I say continual obedience, I'm not talking about perfect obedience. That, of course, is uh, something none of us will ever reach. So, well, I, was, I was working with some athletes. Uh, I was working at Baylor University and I was on staff with Campus Crusade. I was a missionary with Athletes in Action. And uh, so I was... Uh, coaching and discipling a young man. Uh, I'll call him Steve, because that's actually his name. Forget about protecting the innocent. And one day he approached me, and he was just down. He looked down in the dumps, and he approached me, and I said, Steve, what's wrong? And he says, Coach, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I don't know how I could be a Christian. I don't know how the Holy Spirit could be living in my life, living within me. Because I keep messing up and I keep blowing it. And I keep falling in this area of my life and I keep falling and sinning over and over. And every time I do, I, I feel terrible. I feel guilty. I feel ashamed. And, and, I, and I pray to God and I, and I promise him that I'll never do it again. And then I turn around and I do it again. You know, how could 
the Holy Spirit be in me and, and that be happening. And, and I just looked at him. I said, Steve, if the Holy Spirit wasn't in you, why would you give a rip? Did you feel this way? Did you have this intense desire to do what pleased God before you gave your life to Christ? He says, man, you know, guilt and shame, those, those aren't of God, but this conviction you feel and this desire that you feel to please God, that is the work of the Holy Spirit, man. He is obviously in you. And I tell you, Steve's countenance just absolutely changed. And he said, I get it. You're right. I didn't care before I gave my life to Christ about this stuff. And now I do. Now it's important for me to honor God and to please God. I know that the Holy Spirit is in my heart. Now, the the Spirit-filled person continually grows in the desire and the power to do what pleases God. So as we learn to continually depend upon and yield to the Holy Spirit, we're empowered to think and speak and act in a way that honors and pleases Him. Now, walking the Spirit also means that we listen for and respond to promptings of the Holy Spirit. Uh, John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep know my voice. They can discern my voice, and they respond to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Now, I know many of you have already experienced things like this, and maybe, maybe you have not heard an audible voice. Sometimes it could be, not often, but you've received a thought, you've received a prompting to do something or to say something, which you recognized was God. And it could have been uh, a prompting to call somebody. It could have been a prompting to write somebody a note, an encouraging note. Uh, share a scripture with somebody, give someone a financial gift. Maybe it was a prompting to pray for somebody or even to pray with somebody that, that you, were, you were with at the time. Have you ever been awakened in the middle of the night and somebody was on your mind, somebody was on your heart, and you just knew that you were supposed to pray for that person? You didn't really know what was going on, but you just knew you should pray for that person. And it was confirmed that that person needed prayer at that time. Uh, that's happened to me. It's happened to me often. It's also happened, thank God, it's happened on my behalf uh, with others fairly often. I've had people on numerous occasions that have told me that God put them on my heart, put my family on their heart, like at one in the morning, three in the morning, and they began praying for me. Uh, one on the evening that I received news that my mother passed away, um, it was two in the morning, it was 2 a.m., and uh, the next day, I received a phone call from a friend and a church member who said, you asked me if I was all right. And I asked, well, why, why did you ask that? And he says, well, I woke up, and you were on my heart, and I knew something was wrong, and I just started praying for you. Are you okay? And then I shared with him that my mother had passed away. Well, what time do you think he began praying for me? He was awakened at 2 a.m., right at the time I, heard, I got that phone call. Now, not often enough, but, you know, I've been prompted to, to give people money, to give checks, to, to give groceries to people. I've been prompted to ask if I could pray for someone, uh, invite a person to church, share the gospel with someone. <laughs> Talk about being practical. I, I don't know how often that I have wanted to react in a situation with anger 
you know, and lash out at someone to respond to someone in an ungodly manner. And I hear a little voice telling me, keep your mouth shut. You know what I'm talking about? And I have even felt invisible fingers grabbing and holding my lips shut. <laughs> Couldn't trust me, I guess. You know, walking the Spirit means that when you sense a prompting from the Spirit, now especially, and this is kind of how you know whether it's a Spirit, when you sense a prompting to do good to someone or to speak encouragement to someone or to pray for someone, you do it. You obey it. Oh, gosh, that's my phone. I forgot to turn off. <laughs> okay, everybody follow me. Turn off your ringer. Now it's going to buzz in the back of my pants, which is also going to be distracting. Those who walk in the Spirit live every day as servants of Christ, expecting, listening, looking for divine appointments arranged by God so that we can serve, comfort, encourage, and minister to others in the name of Christ. So let me end this series with some suggestions for continuing on and growing in the Spirit. Uh, number one, continue to learn about the Holy Spirit and His Word. You be a student of the Holy Spirit. Do not let Him be the forgotten God any longer. Study about the Holy Spirit. First of all, I want to encourage you to read the Bible. Read the Word of God just by itself, especially the New Testament. And then when you read it, try to read it with fresh eyes like you've never read it before. Just let the Word speak to you as it is coming off that page like it's the very first time. Put aside the commentaries, put aside the, the study notes, and simply ask God to speak to you. Make sure, by the way, I think it's very important, make sure that you're not reading out of the King James Bible. Unless thou wishest to be unfruitful in thy quest. I know the King James is beautiful, but you know, it is the most difficult to understand translation out there in the English. And so I want to encourage you to get a readable, understandable, modern translation, like New International, New Living, one of those. Study passages in the New Testament, especially uh, in the book of Acts and 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 that talk about the Holy Spirit and where you can see the Holy Spirit's work. Get a concordance and look up passages in Scripture about the Spirit, just looking at the word Spirit and see what it says. And then, after you have gone to the Word of God, that needs to be first. You need to go to the Word and let the Word speak to you first and do research yourself. Then, I want to encourage you to read books on the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to encourage you to do something that may sound a little bit weird, but I think it's helpful. Read a book on the Holy Spirit that's different from your current perspective. Which means, if you are not Pentecostal in your, in your leanings, read a book from a Pentecostal perspective on the Holy Spirit. And vice versa, if you are more Pentecostal in your leanings, read a book from a non-Pentecostal perspective. Then match it up with what the Word of God says to see if there's anything that you're missing, if there, there's anything that you've misunderstood. See, whatever side of that aisle that you're on, 
we need to understand we are one body of Christ. Uh, we all love Christ. We're all seeking to live for his honor and his glory. That looks a little bit different from church to church, but that's our motive, isn't it? And can't we trust that that's the motive of people in other churches that may worship a little bit differently than we do? We all have different strengths. We all have different weaknesses. We each have something to learn from one another. Plus, knowing and respecting each other's beliefs, that, that's necessary for the kind of unity that we talked about last week, the kind of unity that, that Christ said the church needs, and not just in one church, but all Christians, the kind of unity we need that is a witness that Jesus has come from God. And, and he said that unity needs to be like the unity between him and the Father. And we need that with each other, with other Christians from other churches that preach Christ. Number two, continue to identify and learn from spirit-filled role models. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the result of their conduct and imitate their faith. The Amplified Bible says it this way. Imitate their reliance on God with absolute trust and confidence in his power and God's power and God's wisdom and God's goodness. So I encourage you to seek out people whose lives look like the lives of the people in, in this book. The lives of the people that God used greatly. People whose lives exhibit both Christ-like character and Christ-like power. Both Christ-like character and Christ-like power. Now, in week one, we asked ourselves a question, what is there in my life that can only be explained by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit working within me? Uh, what is there in my life that cannot be duplicated with human Wisdom and human effort. Seek out people whose character and goodness and kindness and faith cannot be explained in any other way than to say that the Holy Spirit is living in and through that person. Number three, continue to seek and ask for all that God has for you. Remember the words of Paul. Late in his life, Philippians 3, he says, Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. I move forward. I keep advancing to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Forgetting what's behind, straining forward, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul never stopped pursuing Everything that God had for him never felt like he'd arrived, always knew there was more for him that God wanted, that God wanted to do in him, for him, and through him. And he had that relentless pursuit of driving forward for everything that God had for him. He had that desire until his dying breath. And I want to have that same attitude. Listen, we never arrive at the place where we have no more to learn, no more to discover, no more to experience, no more to do, no more to become in the Christian life. I, I'm 60 years old. I've been a Christian now for over 40 years. And I'll tell you, I am still learning. In fact, sometimes I feel like I'm still a baby. Uh, I, I feel like there is still more for me to learn than what I know. I never want to be stagnant. 
but I've been. I never want to be satisfied, but I've been. I don't want that to be me anymore. And I believe you feel the same way. I think that's why you come. Let me close with a story, and I'm going to close with a story that I began this series with in week one. There was a certain town in which only ducks lived. Every Sunday, the ducks waddle out of their houses, and they waddle down Main Street to the church. They waddle into the sanctuary, and they squat in their proper duck pews. The duck choir waddles in, takes its place. They sing duck songs. Then the duck minister comes forward and opens the duck Bible. And he reads to them. Ducks, God has given you wings. With wings you can fly. With wings you can mount up and soar like eagles. No walls can confine you. No fences can hold you because you have wings. God has given you wings. You were made to fly. And all the ducks shouted, Amen! And after the duck minister prayed, they all waddled back home. My prayer for myself is that I will not settle for waddling when God has, has given me the ability to fly. And I pray the same for you. Let's pray. I just want to ask you to let God speak to you. And if you do want everything that God has for you, just talk to him about it. Gosh, yield your life to him. Yield your life to his Holy Spirit. Thank God for what he's already done for you, but also thank him that there's more. Ask for the grace to pursue it. To open your heart to it. Especially to open your heart to the Holy Spirit. And I want to end this series by asking a question because... If you do not have Jesus Christ in your life, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, then all this talk about the Holy Spirit is absolutely pointless and fruitless for you. Because before the Holy Spirit can do the great work in your life that God desires to do, you have to have the Holy Spirit in you, which comes when you give your life to Jesus Christ. When you ask Christ to forgive your sins, to come into your heart and life, to make you the person he created you to be, and if you don't remember ever having done that, I'm not asking if you want to join our church. I'm not asking if you've been baptized or confirmed. What I'm asking is, have you personally called out to God, prayed to him, given your life to Jesus Christ? And if you're not sure, I'm going to encourage you to do that right now. In fact, I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. And you can pray it silently, although in a moment I'm going to ask you to pray out loud. But pray this silently. If you don't know for sure, but you'd like to believe here, sure, that you belong to Christ, that the Holy Spirit is in you. So pray this silently. Father, God, first of all, I admit to you that I have sinned. I need your forgiveness. 
and I need your power to change, to live the life that you created me for. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that Jesus came to this earth as a man. I believe that Jesus died on the cross where he took the penalty for my sins upon himself. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and is alive today. Jesus, I now ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my heart and life through your spirit and give me the power to live the life that you desire, a life that honors you from now for the rest of my life. What I'd like you to do, I think it's important again to confess out loud. The scripture says that if we confess out loud with our mouths, Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God, that God has raised Christ from the dead, we are saved. And so I just want to invite everybody so that uh, nobody is singled out. I want to invite everybody, if you'd please out loud, uh, pray this prayer of confession. So pray this out loud. Jesus. I believe that you rose from the dead. I believe that you are God. And I believe that you are Lord. And Jesus, you are my Lord. <laughs>